Good day, everybody. Welcome to another shard of Ramble Shrapnel. Today, we are going to be talking a little bit further in relation to the episode that we did on ocean life. That's episode 13 for anybody who's wondering. And I'm joined again here by or with Mackie. Hello. Hey. So for today, some of our viewers told us that they think that we went a little bit far away from the main topic of ocean life because we were we were getting pretty Lovecraftian. Just a now scenario of how we. Okay, okay. <laughs> talking about you. Hi, you're the one who you're the one who said that. <laughs> yeah. Giant squid. Okay. Even the giant squid just in itself well, very cool, is, right? is already pretty Lovecraftian. Because <laughs> like Lovecraftian is oftentimes some weird tentacle beast that's like a, a cephalopod, like a squid or an o- octopus, um, or a cuttlefish. So even in choosing the giant squid, we were already going Lovecraftian there. But then I guess, yeah, my yeah. my uprising scenario was pretty Lovecraftian. Because then I was also Very talking... Very cool, though. <laughs> thanks. Because then I was also talking about, like, aboleths from D&D that are mind-controlling other creatures and stuff like that and making them slaves. But anyway, so... There, a few of our listeners were thinking that we were getting pretty Lovecraftian over there. And I thought, you know what? Why don't we just go full tilt into the Lovecraftian thing? Just lean into they it. They thought we were going much then. <laughs> now we can go higher. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're going to take it to the next level. We're going we're gonna, to yeah. like go ultra instinct to Lovecraftian here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so going to be some interesting editing in this episode. <laughs> yeah. So last time we talked more about just giant squids and the just the the sheer horror that that they entail because of like all the extra organs and like the suckers and the hooks that are on each of the suckers and that massive beak and the eye that's the size of a dinner plate you guys can see i'm getting carried away already but this time um i want us to go more into like some kind of deep dark horror in the ocean with the one caveat that it's not allowed to be the giant squid again or an octopus because we <laughs> we already did that. Um, but uh, are you are you all right with that? Do you know exactly what I mean? I kind of do. Um, so I, obviously, I, I, I love the idea of full Lovecraftian. Are we, maybe you can define that better for myself and the fans, more for myself, because the fans probably know everything to do with Lovecraftian. But just to make sure that I don't go too off topic. Yeah. So I'm sure everybody or people who love fantasy and sci-fi will probably know that Lovecraftian has to do with cosmic horror for the most part. It's so well known because of Lovecraft that they gave it the nickname of Lovecraftian for cosmic horror. So normally that has to do with this like deep dread and like the insanity that comes from fearing the unknown and especially the deep dark unknowns of space. Um, but I think that for the most part it's, it's got to do with the unknown. 
And even most horror stories, even if it doesn't have to do with space or anything sci-fi related, will know that the best kind of horror and fear that any kind of viewer or receiver of any kind of message can receive is if they don't actually know precisely what the threat is. And that, I think, is the key thing about Lovecraftian horror. Now, that's that's my own take on it. But everybody knows that as soon as you see them on, well, any connoisseur of horror knows that if you <laughs> that if you know what the threat is inside the dark, then it immediately loses some of that scare factor about it. And yeah, it's <laughs> that's why the movie, um, what was it, A Quiet Place or Bird Box was so freaky. And a lot of the time as well inside a, a TV series or a movie, it's the unknown threat that's also the most fear, fear inducing. Like even the original um, paranormal activity, like there was just like some invisible thing that was dragging a lady's feet out of bed and breaking, <laughs> <laughs> breaking the cardinal rule of horror, which is the bed is a safe place. Like, dude, when my twin and I watched that horror series, then for that movie, <laughs> like we were shitting bricks for like a week because they broke the no going to the bed rule. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh. Because, because no, it's a hundred percent a true thing as well. Sorry to interrupt no you. Worries. Um, the the whole the whole darkness or the unknown being the major threat is probably why I disliked the last season of Stranger Things. I know there's another season coming up, but the last season of Stranger Things, my uh, family were also pointing out that Vecna was not nearly as terrifying as he should have been. Yeah, because they could have played it where like you could see this instead of seeing the full Vecna, they could have had this hand. And this hand could have just been killing these things. And you have no idea how it's doing this and that kind of thing. Have that like enjoy enjoyment of like, whoa, this is just his hand? Or is it just pure presence? What does he, how does he do it? Yeah. But they revealed everything too quickly that it just felt like, oh, this is another bad guy. Okay. Try to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. They could definitely have kept him as some kind of a, a silhouette, especially when he was coupled. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially when he was coupled up with all those like tentacles and things that were coming out of him. See, that's another great example mm. of, of Lovecraftian horror. Um, <laughs> but, but they should have done it right. <laughs> but anyway, um, they should have. They could definitely have kept a silhouette of some kind. And they, they should probably have revealed more of how he actually looks as Levin was getting the flashbacks of him. Because mm, mm, mm. that only paid off in like episode five. So that would have been yeah. four great episodes of not knowing what the hell is going on. Oh, let's go into our topic because <laughs> I'm interested. I'm, yeah. I, I, got, I, got, I got a good idea, but I want to hear yours first. Okay. So the one that I've chosen is a little bit also because I'm a big Brandon Sanderson fan um, of The Way of Kings and Mistborn fame. But... Um, Oh, and The Wheel of Time. But first of all, anybody who wants to check out some more awesome Brandon Sanderson content should definitely subscribe to his YouTube channel um, because he talks about all sorts of things, about writing a good story and narrative and all sorts of things. And it's actually shaped 
a lot of my critique about watching movies and uh, critiquing a story nowadays. But anyway, in his one series, The Way of Kings, there are something that he calls chasm fiends, which are basically giant ass insects that live inside of fissures and crevasses on a massive plain that has been shattered in some events in the past. And these things are like, geez, uh, 20 feet high or some absolutely colossal size. And it's it's just such a, a great idea for me, like basically insect with like many segmented body parts that for some reason have this gigantism applied to them. And they just make such great, great adversaries and foes for people to try to take down. Because their carapace, if you're th thinking along the, the proportions of an insect, would probably be like at least half a foot thick. So how the hell are you going to tackle that with something normal like a sword? Um, you, you probably wouldn't be able to pierce that with, a, with any kind of normal gun either. It would have to be some kind of armor-piercing round or uh, like specifically equipped mechanical shot that can drill after it makes impact or something. Um, but anyway, so my idea, which I think is actually reasonably well-founded, is that somewhere deep down in the, in the darkness of the Mariana Trench or some other kind of fissure of that kind, there is some kind of prehistoric insect or yeah like some insectoid like like if, if you ever look at pictures of weird um weird creatures that live deep in the ocean you'll see all bunch like a whole bunch of them there's one that looks like it has uh it looks kind of like a worm or a millipede but it's got a long oh, no. a long snout and what looks like a, a a bloody buzzsaw or something on its mouth or as its mouth like that's just some if I saw that coming out of the dark I would fully expect that buzzsaw of a mouth to just like <laughs> rotate and shred me if it was like a foot away Oy. but um, I think that if there's something now okay okay so first of all we thought that trilobites were extinct for millions of years but then we found trilobites still existing down there. For anybody that doesn't know, it's that one prehistoric kind of crab that looks a lot like an insect with like 20 legs sticking out of its side and a long tail. There's the one Pokemon that's based off of it. Uh, Kabuto, I think. The Kabuto Pokemon, I think, is based off of a trilobite. Anyway, so based on the fact that that thing has survived so long, we can establish that prehistoric insects from that long ago, or maybe not an insect, like an arthropod of that long ago, has survived before. And we have instances of creatures with really thick shells experiencing gigantism of some kind, although it's to a lesser degree, I grant you that. But that, I think, is just because of the specific death, depth at which they're found. So if it was a lot deeper, then they would need to be a lot bigger 
to support those kind of G-forces on their bodies. And the example that we have living of those nowadays are the Japanese spider crab, which in itself already looks <laughs> like, a, uh, like a Dark Souls boss. <laughs> those things are so creepy, dude. Um, so yeah, I think that there would be some kind of insect, like a, a sea scorpion that is like, um, let's yeah. say, 20 meters long. That's just living somewhere, just like a small colony of them living somewhere down in the Mariana Trench with the absolute <laughs> thickest shells ever because they have to withstand those G-forces. Oh, 100%. No, that does sound like a really terrifying Lovecraftian kind of species. Yeah, like, dude. Like, so if you just go to clarify, is this also like a worm-like creature or is it like now a crab-like creature? So you start with a worm-like creature yeah. and now you turn to a crab-like creature. So, so the crab or worm? I think that it would be kind of a combination between the two, like uh, <laughs> an arthropod of some kind. Um, Interesting. Yeah, but I, I think it would be a bit more arachnoid or a bit like a, a pseudoscorpion. Um, okay, okay, now I've got a picture. Do, do, do you know what a pseudoscorpion is? Well, so, not really. You tell me. Maybe I do. I just don't know the ex exact word. A pseudoscorpion is actually a kind of insect um, that, that, well, they're known as small scorpions or book scorpions, but they're small arachn uh, arachnids that people mistake for scorpions, although they are not. They're just normal arachnids. But they... Uh, so they don't have a, a scorpion tail or anything like that, but they've got outsized, disproportionate pincers compared to um, a scorpion. And they're kind of like in the transition state between a spider and a scorpion. Yeah. But they, okay. they, they look quite cute because in like normal terra firma, they don't get that big. But I think if they were to come from down in the ocean, dude, yo, it would destroy us. That would be terrifying. Mm. Either that or a camel uh, spider. Those are my two. Things. Nah. So I feel like you lost me a bit there because I don't see great swimming capabilities by that kind of thing. Because like even like crabs, they can kind of swim, but I don't see that thing coming to the surface very often. I think it's a lot more dangerous if we have our underwater base, like we mentioned in the main episode. But I, I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel as threatened like me swimming on top of the surface. I don't feel as threatened as this thing from really deep, like really, really deep, trying to come like kind of grab this little morsel up in the surface. So I don't feel as threatened. Funny enough. Yeah. Well, I don't feel threatened by sharks either, but I know that they're creepy as hell. Oh, but sharks will kill you way more than that thing would kill Dude. you. There, uh, there should, is, I give my, should I give my one while we still have some time? Uh, yeah, I just want to say that there is more chances of you dying because your fridge falls on you than a shark killing you. More people. That's die only because every year I'm I'm, I'm around the fridge more often. If I'm around the shark more often and I have my fridge next to me, guess what would kill me more often? <laughs> no, no, I, I understand that, but what I'm saying is a shark is still a scary thing. And I think that an insect yeah, super deep down, although you'd never really find it unless you made a o deep ocean base, would also be a mm. bloody big thing. But anyway, <laughs> let's hear your one. So I like the idea 
where like how Yota mentioned in his one episode about the super well the the yetis so not the yetis the bigfoots the scp episode we had where i touched on briefly about the fact that the bigfoots were actually really smart not just like paralyzing um so i like the idea that some of humanity never kind of evolved outside the ocean i still think like i like the idea that there's still some portion of humanoid beings inside our deep dark oceans who are intelligent enough to stay secluded away from uh land animals so you guys can't tell where i'm going i'm thinking about mermaids atlantis uh neptune whatever you guys would like to refer to ocean people so the reason why i like that idea because i feel like our ocean is vast enough to be hiding some really crazy kooky stuff like how Jotun described a arachnoid subspecies with a worm-like tail okay, thing okay, that okay. has chainsaws at the mouth at the end of the mouth i don't think we can put the suffix oid at the end of these creatures because <laughs> that just makes me think that they come from space and i think that well, a lot no, of people that, are like that as well but what i'm saying is that it's mermaids yeah, yeah. like or sirens mermaids and sirens yeah. So there's a lot of lore and depictions from sailors. Like, guys, I'm aware that sailors have been on sea for so long that they probably were so horny that they saw a dolphin <laughs> and said, that's a mermaid. <laughs> it could have been option A. or But I think it's more likely option B is that they might have seen something that we did not quite see before. And I like the idea that there's these the smarter, more organized uh, entities living into the sea who are, A, maybe working with the giant squids that uh, Jotun uh, spoke so highly of in the episode, or B, are the actual masterminds of the squids. Like, they tell the squids what to do. And because the squids are have so many brains, they can understand what they're saying. <laughs> but I like that idea that there's these this underwater uh, living humanoid society, Atlantis. But I don't think Atlantis is a good one because we always outplay that too often. Yeah. But I like that idea where evolution didn't hit every humanoid species. It hit some of it, and the rest kind of stayed in there. They, instead of going up, they went down. And they evolved in the darker times where we evolved in the higher up times. So I like that idea where this like entity is like lurking. Because there's a lot of uh, depictions in those folklores where sirens, I say sirens because they have this hypnotic uh, lullaby. They could pull sailors and whoever listened to it towards them and make and hypnotize them, either to eat them or to drag them to the deepest dark depths, or a number of different things. And I just I think that there's something more that we have not quite cracked in when uh, reaching those deeper depths, in knowing that hey, there's actually a, a society that we're completely unaware of, or still technically Earth things because they live on our Earth, but they just they just evolved in a different way we evolved too. Yeah. That just sounds really awesome to me. Yeah. No, it does. And I think that that could actually in a kind of way be plausible because if there was some kind of hominid in the past that realized that there was, or saw that there was some kind of cataclysmic event and thought to themselves, going into the water is the only way of surviving, then... Yeah. If if there is a creature that could 
go back into the water. I think that it would be humans because um, if there was like a cave or something below, like a big cavern underwater, then people could actually go down there and colonize the area basically in, in such a way that they're no longer making contact with the normal air that's in the atmosphere. Yeah. Then because they would be around the water so much, they would get like really good breathing capabilities. Their mammalian diving reflex would become supercharged basically. And then over the course of like a hundred thousand years or something, I think it's plausible that their ears would like the eardrums would get thicker to properly block ah, out more water and things at deeper pressures and um for us their eyes would turn black because they would need to they see any bit of light they need to grasp that light source i don't i don't think that w- they would go that deep hey unless they become larger as well but we wouldn't really become yeah. i don't think we would become larger because of our metabolisms and uh yeah just because of our metabolisms at least not in that short a time scale but let's say that's something like 10,000 years into that civilization's future. I think that the, the genetic thing that we used to have where we also had an extra layer of skin on our eyes um, from our deep <laughs> distant past, I think that that would come back so that we don't even really need to blink underwater anymore. Like... Stuff like we that. We also did have a tail at one point as well. We also, like, don't we have that, that the capabilities of having it had, like, we technically had, like, the structure for a tail, just that we don't have a tail. Yeah. Maybe they kept their tails. Yeah. That could be a thing. I don't think that it would be a mermaid mm. tail, though. I think that, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, a overplayed thing. I think if we... I think it'll be a giant worm with uh, chainsaws for a mouth. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fear factor. Just people, people mooning, people just like mooning and like this, using that as bait or something. Uh, never oh, mind. That would just be um, wrong. Yeah. Now I'm getting... Um, my, my thoughts are just take... Don't talk about tails being dangerous to me, Matthew. <laughs> you know that my mind goes places. <laughs> but but anyway, I, th- I think it would be a bit like a, a dorsal fin or something that would help people to manu- maneuver in the water a bit better. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it would help in propulsion anyway, but I do think it would help to make tighter turns. But anyway, so that was Mackie's suggestion, and I suggested a a giant insect, and specifically an arachnid of some kind. Thank you for joining us again here on Ramble Shrapnel. Please tell us which of our responses here you think was a better one, and please check out the main episode as well if you think that this direction in which we were going was quite interesting for you, because we also talked about some really big. Lovecraftian concepts in the main episode. Um, But yeah, thank you for joining us. Again, check out that one in the main playlist. And Mackie, where can we be found? What social media stuff? So guys, since this is a short episode, I'll keep it brief. Again, guys, we have our YouTube, which you can chat to us. We do post this on almost every podcasting platform. Mention a few, Spotify, Apple. 
But the best way to communicate to us, and you'll find it very easily through our link in descriptions, is our Discord server. You'll be able to join that Discord server if you're having difficulties. It will be two main reasons. One, your account is too new. Have the Discord account for maybe two weeks. Number two is that you don't have a profile pic. Get something. Get your favorite picture of a Lovecraftian creature. Or get the the best picture of all, uh, the Rebel Shamble account. No, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but we'll seriously, flag you guys. copyrights if you do that. Oh, 100%. Unless you give us uh, all the money that you gain, gain from that. But again, guys, we do hope that you guys enjoy this. We do, again, we try to post this as regularly as possible. Ramble Shambles every Thursday, unless otherwise. Uh, Jotun, how often is Ramble Shrapnel posted? Ramble Shrapnel is posted as often as I can finish it. That's about it. <laughs> so sometimes, there you, go, sometimes you guys get like two or three in a week. Sometimes you don't get one. Um, but Aww. but yeah, just be rest assured they, they are coming. It also has to do with how often you guys respond to us. So please, um, don't just leave our questions hanging. Send us some comments in the YouTube or interact with us on Discord. But, Yay. but we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye-bye.